All right, sir. Well, um, like I was telling you, as soon as you walk in, it's today. It's, uh, I'm really blessed about this. It's a true honor to have you Thank on. You. Aside from the remarkable career that you have, aside from all the accomplishments that you have, the fact is that uh, since you started your career, you have taken a lot of pride on always telling where you're from. You're very proud of that, of El Paso, of Juarez. And to share a little bit of your story, to have a conversation with you, I just want to thank you for accepting my invite in the time, of course. No, man, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing when people want to know your story, when people want to know where you come from, what you've done, where you've been, you know. Obviously, um, sometimes people look at you in a different light, which I understand because I've been, you know, I've been blessed to travel the world. I've been blessed to wrestle all over the world. And uh, sometimes people think that you're untouchable or that uh, you're, un you're unattainable in, in that sense, you know. But uh, for me, it's a blessing to be able to, you know, communicate with the people that love wrestling, with the people that are from El Paso, Ciudad Juarez, that know that, that I grew up here. They know that I went to school here, that I did many, many things here, you know. And, and I think we can relate to that. And, and I just want to let all those kids know from, from this border town, Juarez, El Paso, that anything in your life is possible. If I did it, you know, for a kid from Segundo Barrio that had an amazing dream, working for the biggest company in the in the world for 10 years, that's something, if I, if I accomplished it, many kids can still do it. So I'm happy to share my story with you. Anything that you want to know, I'm here to do that. So let's get started, brother. Wow, thank you so much. By the way, uh, guys, this um, conversation is going to be in English and Spanish. So for those that maybe are waiting for the Spanish version, know that it is coming. Uh, so again, or, or thinking that. that I don't want to talk Spanish. Maybe, yeah, there you go. <laughs> or they said, oh, when I post stuff, like, how come you don't say it in Spanish? <laughs> I'm like, I'm bilingual. Oh, you know, do, you, do, you, yeah. do you also get the opposite as well? Sometimes I Sometimes. do yeah, when I like, well, just speak Spanish or whatever. I'm like, I'm blessed enough to be able, and my IQ is better than a lot of people if you know two languages. So for all those haters, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. So, so again, we're going to focus on the, Spa on the English and then also Spanish. Uh, by the way, um, let's go ahead and get started. 21 years of career, mm -hmm. still going strong. Talk to us about your star of, well, your love for wrestling. Where did it start? Well, it started uh, with my grandfather. My grandfather was born in, in Lerdo Durango. And he married my grandmother. They came to Ciudad Juarez. My dad was born in Gomez Palacio. They came over here when he was a little kid. And ever since I can remember, that's all I wanted to do. My grandfather used to take me to El Auditorio José Manuel Santos to watch the Amazing Stars, El Samarroja, El Legionario, El Legendario, which is different from El Legionario, Los Cobardes, Mil Máscaras, Dos Caras, El Santo Ludeman. I can just go on and on, you know. I was fortunate enough to watch all those guys, and, and, I, and I got to be in many, many important matches, you know, Sin Tayoro versus Rocky Star, Mass versus Mass for November 1st, 1987. I was 10 years old, you know, back then. And uh, that's how, how I, I just fell in love with wrestling. I used to wait outside the auditorium to wait for the wrestlers when I got, when I was about 10, 11 years old. And I would ask them, hey, you think I can carry your bag? And then they would, let, they would let me carry their bags. I would get in, they would go inside to the locker room, and I would just walk into the to the wrestling match, and, and I would just be there watching, you know, so... Ever since I can remember, that was my passion. I never wanted to be a lawyer, a doctor, nothing like that. Nothing against them, which is amazing that they do because we need all that in our world. My dad's a lawyer. My brother's a lecturer engineer. But for me, it was different. You know, I, I, that's all I wanted to do. Wrestle, 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 wrestle. And I have a lot of great memories doing that. I used to wrestle outside in El Callejón, La Calle Nickel 16, in Ciudad Juarez. My, uh, and I would jump from the one of the roofs into my grandfather's hearses and cars and <laughs> I would do any, any crazy things as a young man. Wow. 
Wow. And, and you know what? Let, let's jump into a question that as I was going through as far as like all your your interviews, your shows, the things that you have done, like, wow, it's, it's amazing. I wonder how that feels. How does it feel to have achieved your dream? It's, uh, it's, ama- it's an amazing feeling when you think about it. Sometimes like people ask me like, uh, how does it feel to be famous? Or how does it feel to have so many followers on Instagram? Or how does it feel to this? And I'm just like, to be honest, like, I just feel it's me because I'm, I'm, I'm me, you know, in that sense. But people look at you in a different light, in a different sense of the world, like we were saying. But for me, it's just an accomplishment being able to do what I love. And I feel blessed that God gave me the talent to do what I do. You know, obviously, it's been a lot of uh, obstacles throughout my career. It hasn't been easy. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't change anything in my life because that, that had built my character to who I am now. I'm 43 years old now with two kids that I love very much. And I want to show them that everything in life takes hard work. And once you you teach your kids, you know, that that's not easy, that's, it's, then, then for me, it's something that I'm like, okay, everything that, I, that I've learned, now I'm teaching them, then it's make, it makes it worth it for me. It's hard sometimes because we think that we want to make everything easy. But no, we, want, we need to teach our kids, you know, they have to struggle sometimes or they have to earn things. Because I remember that uh, when my kid was younger, my daughter, I was like, I wanted to give him everything, you know, which is awesome. But then at the end of the day, sometimes you just hurt him instead of helping them. Wow, you bring up a really good topic because you're absolutely right. A lot of times, when especially when, when maybe when we were kids, mm-hmm. we didn't get a lot of, of, of uh, material stuff. Mm-hmm. So now that we maybe have a little bit of money or that we are able, we're at a different position, mm-hmm. we think that they're going to grow better if we give them everything. But the fact is, and it's already proven mm-hmm. that if we focus on that, guess what? It's going to backfire nine out of ten times. Exactly. So for me, you know, I, my son is like, like, hey, Dad, can I wear the mask and certain things? I'm like, you got to earn it now. Like you're 12 years old, you gotta start training. You gotta, you know, you gotta focus on, on what you want. You know, he's in that age where he understands a lot more things. You know, when he was younger, I would let him do the meet and greets with me and with the mask. Today, I'm like, if you want to, because we we have a show coming up, and he mentioned me like, Dad, you think I can wrestle on the show? I was like, Yeah, when you get older, <laughs> you know, I have to teach him. You know that he, everything takes time, and you gotta teach him step by step. Not everything comes just. When you know, one day here you are because your dad's a wrestler. Now you're in the ring. No, no, no. I because when he was eight years old, we made a birthday party for him where I, where he wrestled with me against two other friends of mine. You know, so that's that was in the Mexican experience. But that was just for the birthday party. If you want to become a wrestler, then now it's something more serious. You know, he's got the artillery training. He's got to focus on his eating and everything, or all his like small habits. You no, know, as a kid, and and nowadays I got I gotta say that for kids it's harder. It's not easy at all because you have all this distraction. Distract exactly like television, social media, and now with the pandemics going on, and they're at home. What do I do? I get bored. You know, all those little things, but. You just got to be patient. You just got to be patient with them. This mentality that you're talking about, where does it come from? Does it come from your parents, from your grandfather? Mm-hmm. I know he was very special as well. Where does mm-hmm. this come from? I think it's a perseverance. My my uh, my family, in a sense, in, in a whole, my grandfather, you know, the the, the head of the of the table. Uh, he was a, a man that, um, he was poor. He was a carpenter. He came to Ciudad Juarez with nothing, with my grandmother. And they built, you know, this amazing... Uh, business you know it's a funeral home that's how i grew up you know for me it was it was normal it was something that i i never they never told oh that's bad dead is bad you know it was part of who we were but i understood you know from stories from him from my grandmother that uh, they came from zero into having 
lot and giving my uncles, my dad, you know, the opportunity to succeed. My dad was a very hard worker. Also, he he built a business. He uh, he went to school. He has a career in the Mexico and a career in the United States. Really? Yeah. Wow. So imagine that learning English as an older older man becoming a citizen now. So I and then my brother, you know, he's an electrical engineer. My sister works for the. El Paso, and I know my mom works for the El Paso Independent School District. My sister works for the, for, I think for the Socorro. So, so it's really? everybody's involved in you know in many things, and and my family has always been like hardworking, and they just want to achieve a lot of stuff. And and for me, I look at that as an example. Doesn't matter how old I am, doesn't matter, you know how young I was. Like I've always looked up to the people that they you know they have done something positive, and I have an amazing family, you know, an amazing support system, and and I think it was taught from the, from the head of the tail. My grandfather, his name was Jose Arriaga Hernandez. Wow. No, well, thank you for sharing that. I have a follow-up question now that you said that about your brother, about your dad. Did, did maybe your dad, your parents ever wanted you to go to school and get a degree opposed to uh, following the path that you took? Of course, my dad wanted, wanted me to, to have, uh, you know, uh, like a backup plan in mm -hmm. that sense. But he was never forceful of me, like, hey, you have to go to school because of this. Because the only thing he would always tell me, he was like, no matter what you do, you have, you have a good and a bad consequence. It all depends on which one you want. So that that those are the words that had always you know stuck in my head. It's like I cannot be there with you twenty four seven. I cannot be there all the time. But this is what I can tell you. You know, no matter what choice you take, it's gonna have a good or bad consequence. It depends on what you really want. So you know, throughout my life, throughout my career, everything that I've done, I always thought about that. Like you're right. Like if something bad happens or if there's a consequence, it's because. I wasn't cautious enough to be able to have, you know, a good a good consequence instead of a bad consequence. But there's things sometimes that you can't control either, you know. So it's a little kind of in, in that sense. But overall, like my, that has been something that my dad, you know, implemented in, in my life. But he never forced me to, you have to go to school, you have to do this. Why well, don't want you to be a wrestler? You know, he was, he loves what I do. He, he feels proud of what I've done. He's one of those people that I can talk to about anything and he'll give me, you know, what he thinks and then let me be. He won't be like, oh, you have to do what I tell you. He'll tell me and then he'll let me. It's like, it's your turn to decide what you want to do now. Wow. And we'll go back to your family because it's yeah. more than evident that, I mean, they, mm -hmm. your parents did an mm -hmm. awesome job. I mean, the, yeah. I, as I was going through your interviews, your, the, the things, I was like, you know, not only is he super accomplished yeah. in what he does, but he's a very humble person. I mean, you accepting it, it's proof on that for, for sharing your time. But we'll get into that. But that's something that I'm always curious on as far as where does that come from? Of course, it's from from uh, your experience from life. But a lot of times it is from your parents and what we see as an mm -hmm. example. And then we'll just take it from there and try to enhance that later on. Exactly. You're bringing, uh, you know, definitely uh, has a lot of influence in your life. And, and for me, like, obviously not everything was perfect. There was a lot of... Things that, you know, that, that, you know, throughout my career that, or my life, I was like, oh, man, I wish we could change this, we could change that. But at the end of the day, I think my, my parents gave me the best opportunity to succeed yeah. in every sense of the word, you know. I always had the choice when, I, I always, like, get this when people, like, say, like, oh, it's because my, my dad wasn't there, my mom wasn't there, or this. I get it. It's not easy. It's hard. It's tough. You know, I, I get everything. But it's your choice if you want to take that bad choice it's not on them anymore it's on you you're 20 years old now 21 and now you can decide yourself if you want that lifestyle or you want to become better than them so there's a lot of people that are still blaming on that oh i'm an alcoholic because of that 
no you're maybe maybe i don't know how that works but maybe you know it's it's something that um it's a disease and maybe you've dealt with it or maybe your parent dealt with it but it doesn't have to mean that you have to be one either you decide on that and and i think in that's in in every in everything that we do we have a choice you know i'm a believer in god god gave us a choice you want to be with me you don't want to be with me it's okay So it's on you to decide what you want to do in your life. Good, bad, you know, outstanding, extraordinary, however you want to put it. For me, the word extraordinary has been something that I've always strived for in, in everything that I've done. You know, it's not something like, oh, it's, I'm going to put a, for example, a wrestling school. I, and for me, it would be easy just to get a warehouse and put a ring and that's a wrestling school. I don't want that. I want it to be the best wrestling school that, I, that it can be. So that's why he's taking his time right now. Wow. And we'll talk about your future projects <laughs> as well. But you're absolutely right. And it's it's needed, especially at this time, right, that we see COVID. I was talking to Shane, to Rick, to a lot of people prior. As far as that, you know what? COVID is here. It's here. Mm -hmm. But if we take it as an excuse, you know what? Something else is going to happen. Uh -huh. And if we just are stuck with that mentality or blaming someone or something, guess what? We're never going to be able to make it happen. So, again, you're, you're the perfect example of someone that has work ethic yeah. and knows exactly the discipline and the sacrifice that it requires. Uh, right now, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that subject uh, a little bit more. But, again, it's, it's very welcoming to hear that from you. Yeah, because a lot of people right now in these times, it's tough. You know, I get it. It's hard. But everything is blamed on COVID now. Like, you call the Social Security office, oh, we don't have, because COVID. <laughs> And this, because of COVID, that, uh, I'm like, come on, I get it. But, like, we got to start blaming COVID for everything. Now it's time for us as human beings to take action on our lives and we want to accomplish and we want to do. Obviously, we got to be careful. You got to take the, the precautions necessary to what we need to do, you know, take, put your face mask on, wash your hands, you know, wherever you go, get tested, all that stuff. I get it. We gotta continue living. We gotta stop being in fear. You know, yeah. today I was uh, I went to church and, and they talk about that, but being in fear. We gotta stop being in fear. We gotta take action of our lives that we want to accomplish, that we want to do now. I think it's been nine months already, and you know the world was at a, was at a halt for three, four months, and we were going crazy. I'm still going crazy <laughs> right now. I wanna I wanna start wrestling again. You know, so, so it's one of those things that that uh, obviously you know has. Uh, change our world and everything that w that we've done but it's i think it's for the better too yeah no definitely and and, and again i'm a, i mean it everything makes sense when you talk to successful people people that have made it have made their passion their in, in this case what you do for for living i mean it, it it's always that that common denominator right that it's my passion this is what i want and when they had those difficult scenarios they still stuck to it they were exactly. still uh willing to sacrifice perseverance where other people word, yeah. were not right perseverance perseverance yes, is a word that sometimes you know we don't we don't really use a lot you know we always say like keep going and don't give up but perseverance is a word that you know that that tells you to keep going that never stop that no matter what happens in your way you got to continue moving forward no matter what happens you know you got to look at the goal la meta seguir a la meta to look at that and and sometimes as 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 men what do we see we think that's it It's more than that. Our, our vision has to be way past that. And it's harder because, you know, things are getting harder in our lives and everything that we do. But, you know, it's, I think, and for me, in, in, in taking a leap of faith when I was in this amazing company and then now being an independent wrestler, like, my vision was different than what people thought it was. You know, they, they in, their, in their minds, they were like, oh, he's, he's, uh, he's asking for his release from 
the biggest company in the world, WWE. He's making all this money. He's traveling the world. Why is he doing this? Their vision was not my vision. That's the difference. Yeah. And that uh, you're still, I mean, able, and you, of course, you did it to follow your own path, regardless of what was the noise, uh, I mean, outside of that. We'll get to that. But, I mean, that's one of the things that, thinking about it, this is what we need. Again, maybe someone that is not in wrestling, but how many people you don't know that maybe they're stuck on a job that they don't want, that they don't like, that we always complain about something. I mean, in you, in this case, making steady income, a lot of money. I mean, a very comfortable position, yeah. if you want to say. And you're still like, you know, guess what? This is not my path. I'm going to take it, be it. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. That's, <laughs> yeah, man, it was, that's a different level. <laughs> it, it wasn't easy because I got people that depend on me. Not just my family, not just my kids, not just, you know, the people that I love, but also the guy that makes my boots, oh. the guy that makes my mask, my mechanic, where I take my, where I go eat, where I go wash my car, where I buy my clothes, everything, everything, you know, that surrounds me depended on me having a steady income. And sometimes we don't look at it in that way. We just look at it in the sense like, oh, I'm going to make this money now and I'm making no money. Like, oh, no, I don't want that. I didn't want to be in that place where I wasn't happy anymore. Nothing against it. You know, I've, I was blessed enough to be there for 10 years. And, you know, and but as much as they gave me, I gave more than what they gave me. I gave them my life. I gave them my body. You know, my body's broken because of that. And it's not an excuse. And I'm not like, oh, pobrecito, cintadera. No, 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 none of that. It was my choice, you know. So I understand that. But at the end of the day, I needed to move on. I needed to have a, a change, a drastic change in my personal life and in my career. And it wasn't easy letting go of that because it's hard to let go of something that, that you already have that you've worked so hard for, but it wasn't what you wanted. That's the hardest thing to really understand. There's a story about, about a little girl I just remember. Um, I'm going to make it quick. No, it was go about, for it. No, it no. was about um, this young lady goes to downtown with her mom, and she sees a, like a, what's it called? Las Perlas? Mm -hmm a pearl uh, necklace, and uh, the mom tells, yeah, he said, I'll buy it for you, but let's do this. You got to help me at the house, and if you help me, I'll give you money, and then you've, you know, you raise so much money, and you can come buy it. So the little girl goes home, and she's all excited and has her mom and everything that she needs, her shirts, whatever. She gets the money. She buys the necklace. She goes home. You know, she uses the necklace on everything, and all of a sudden, one day, the dad comes in and is like, hey, you love me? And then the daughter's like, yeah, dad, I love you. And so they start talking, whatever. It's like, oh, that's a, that's a beautiful necklace you have there. And then dad's like, can you give it to me? And then the little girl's like, please, dad, I just bought it. It's my favorite. So then a few days pass, right? Same thing. The, the little girl was like very enthusiastic about her, wearing her necklace all the time. And then the dad comes from one day and asks her the same thing. It's like, you love me? It's like, yes, dad, you know I love you. It's like, can I have your necklace? And the little girl was like, no, please, Dad. I'll give you my dolls. I'll give you my toys, whatever you want. And then the dad goes away. Same thing happens, right? And then all of a sudden, a couple of days later, he's in his, in his bedroom watching television. And then this little girl comes in crying and starts crying. And the dad's like, what's wrong? He's like, I'm sorry, Dad. You know, you've given me life. You've given me everything that I have. And I couldn't give you this necklace of pearls that's, that it's fake. I'm so sorry. So then the little girl takes it off and gives it to the dad. And then the dad puts his hand in his pocket and takes out a, a necklace of real pearls to, and gives it to her. So sometimes what we have is not really the real thing. 
till we let it go. Then you realize that God's going to give you what is real. But it's so hard to let go of that. Yeah. Really hard to wow. let go of that. Well, thank you for sharing that story. It's it, it just another way to get that perspective mm -hmm. on things that sometimes we lose yeah, sight. Exactly. So, Senor, we'll, we'll come back to that for sure. Let's let's go back to your uh, to your beginning in wrestling. Yeah. You grew up in Segundo Barrio, sure. Burgess High School, um, Texas State champion with mm -hmm. a record of 35-0. Extremely yeah. impressive. <laughs> what you. do you remember from, from those days? Well... I wasn't I wasn't raised. I was born first in El Segundo Barrio. Actually, Segundo Barrio. <laughs> Newark Clinic and the building's still there. And uh, let me tell you a little story right now. Uh, yesterday I was uh we were uh, going out of the house with my son and my daughter, and then my son asked me, Dad, uh, can you take me where you grew up? I'm like, What do you mean? Like Segundo Barrio? He's like, Yeah, can you take me? I'm like, You've been there before. He's like, Yeah, but I don't remember. I wanna go again. So we took a little stroll yesterday in El Segundo Barrio by Armijo, by um, Boys and Girls Club, Hauschen. I showed them where I where I was born and Newark Clinic. The building's still there. Now it's housing. It's like a daycare for kids. So for me as a little kid, you know, I, I, I was born there. I grew up there. I lived in 1009 South Save Brain, apartment B. I still, still remember <laughs> I that. still wow. remember. I lived on 618 Tornillo. It used to be my grandfather, grandmother's house. And uh, as a young kid, you know, I, I was there. Uh, you know, like any other kid, I played baseball. I played football. I played uh, basketball also for Alamito against Salazar, against Sherman, all those, all those projects, you know, little, little teams that we had back in the day. And uh, so it was, it was a lot of fun, you know. It was a lot of fun, and it taught me a lot also. It wasn't easy. Segundo Barrio is not, it's, it's not what it is now. Back in the day, it was El Segundo Barrio where everybody talks about, you know, the drive-bys, the, the fights, the, you know, the, the barrio against barrio, all those things that happened. Before. And I grew up around all that, but... I, I was telling you before, my dad would always tell me, you know, no matter what you do, you have a good or bad consequence. So I never drank, never did drugs. I would get in fights because I would have to defend myself. That was about it. But it taught me a lot about myself that I could, you know, that I could throw down, like they say, you know. <laughs> um, so, when you were showing yeah. uh, your son around, what were some of the things that you were telling him? I would tell him, like, uh, like this is where I used to come and play, you know, basketball at the rec center at Boys and Girls Club. And like, what do you do there? He's never been to a Boys and Girls Club. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I have never taken him. But uh, he, um, he, doesn't, he, didn't, he didn't understand the concept of it. I was like, well, this is where he used to come play basketball or pool or other things. Because at home, we didn't have that, you know. And, and I got an opportunity to, to show him Armijo. We went to Armijo, to the library, to show him where the pool was, everything that, uh, that I used to do when I was a little kid. And show him the murals, what do they, what do they mean? You know, how come, like, why, do, why, why are there so many projects around Segundo Barrio? I was like, because this is, you know, a low-income you know, community. It's not because, and then I was explaining to him all that stuff. Like, and comparing in that sense, like, now you're blessed. You go to private school. You go to this. You do that. So take advantage of that. You know, I I went to public school and I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine. You know, nothing wrong with it. But if I can give you something better, that I'm gonna do it. That's what I told him. And he's like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And and I took him to see a lot of things and a lot of the little streets where I used to hang out. Wow, so I can just imagine how that feels, yeah. right? Uh, how that yeah, a lot of, a lot of memories came back, definitely, definitely as as a, as a young kid when I used to get in like fights and getting my butt kicked a few times. But I learned, you learn, and you know, and it builds character. That's the only way, and, and it definitely does. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about Burgess High School, undefeated state mm -hmm. champion. I know that the, the, mm -hmm. there, there was maybe some issues that you had there, but then I want to spend some time talking about after high school. You went to college, right? And then tell us what happened in your in, in college experience. Well, uh, I was in 1995. I was a, I was a junior. Uh, I ended up getting third in uh, in state, 
my senior year, I was voted the I was voted the MVP of the state tournament. But before that, in in November, my grandpa passed away. My grandfather, November twentieth of nineteen ninety five. The wrestling season had already started, and I got uh, I was depressed when my grandfather passed away. You know, he uh, was one of those people that was a. Uh, like a big supporter of what I was doing, and I wanted to make him proud. So I remember my coach telling me, you know what? If you don't want to wrestle this year, I get it. Nothing against it. But it was my senior year. You know, I wanted to – I worked, you know, those three years prior to achieve something that, you know, not many had, had accomplished for Burgess High School. So I was – I remember I was about four or five weeks, and then I told my coach, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to get back in wrestling. So I was like, all right, come back. So I remember wrestling in the first tournament. It was a Bel Air. And I wrestled a couple weights up of the class that I was wrestling at 135. I think I wrestled 145 that tournament. I won the tournament, and then I went down to my weight class and wrestled the whole year at 135. So then I was cutting 17 pounds in a week. In a week. In a week. Wow. But but back in the day, we were not as uh, educated in in health issues and, and health matters. You know, like, like nowadays, kids tend to be in a diet and learn all this macro stuff and amazing things. Back in the day, it was just like hardcore, like wear the plastic bag and go cut weight, don't eat much and this and that. But it, it wasn't like, like now. And uh, so I was doing that. And then to make the short story, in February of, of 1996, uh, three-day tournament in, in uh, Abilene, Texas, I, I lose, uh, no, it was in, in Dallas. Abilene was my junior year. I won state. I was on the, I was, uh, Undefeated, 35 and 0, wrestled against uh, Dan Fisher. He was 32 and 0, three times state returning state play winner, and uh, I ended up winning, pinning him in overtime. In overtime. In overtime, yeah. And so I won the, I won the MVP of that tournament also with another another kid from uh, Caprac, Martina Podaca. We were the only Latinos or Mexican kids to win state that year, and both of us were voted the most outstanding wrestlers of the state tournament. And I went to college from there. I went to uh, wrestle for. Western New England College. Which is where? Today, it's called Western New England University, which is in Springfield, Massachusetts. Yeah. Springfield, Massachusetts, it's a city where the Basketball Hall of Fame is at. They say where, they say where basketball was invented in Springfield College, which is 10, mile, 10 minutes down from where I used to go to school. So I went there because I was recruited by Pete Maldonado. And uh, he was a... Puerto Rican wrestler that uh, represented Puerto Rico in the Pan Am Games and Los Juegos Centroamericanos. He was a medalist. He had an amazing career. He was also a Marine. And uh, he recruited a couple of, of guys from Burgess years prior. Uh, Jesse Almodoro, who was the coach for Franklin High School for many years. Eddie, Eddie Garcia, now he lives in San Francisco. But I still have communication with him. And, uh, and then Pete recruited me. You know, it was a Division Division three school. I wanted to wrestle. I got recruited by a couple of schools that were military, but I, I wasn't really fond of them. So I ended up going over there, getting grants. You know, the school helped me out a little and things like that. And, and then I tear my ACL my freshman year. I was That was my first injury ever. Freshman year. Freshman year, I ended up um, getting homesick, being injured. Then my parents were getting divorced. It was within that same time. Yeah, all wow. those things were happening at the same time. I was away from home. I, I felt alone. And I went through a period of depression. I didn't know what it was because I never felt that before. Now I can say it was depression. And I ended up uh, trying to commit suicide as a 19-year-old kid, being away from home, not knowing what to do, not talking to people because I was always 
you know, keeping a lot of things to myself. So I ended up doing that when I was in, in college. And I remember um, waking up in the hospital. I drank the pills and uh, a bottle of NyQuil. Wow. The whole bottle, and and then the last thing I remember is that I got into the shower because I was feeling bad, and then the last thing was when I woke up in the hospital. And when I woke up in the hospital, my um, college coach was next to me, crying, and I was like, and I I I had no idea what was going on because I was still in medication or whatever. And then he told me he's like, you should have you should have told me you should have talked to me, you know, that you felt this way, that you were not right, and I could have helped you. And but I didn't know how to look for help, you know, I was away from home, my. Parents were getting divorced. I wasn't really a, one of those people that uh, had opened up to be able to let them know how I felt. You know, it was it was weird, and and I was in a place where I didn't feel loved because ninety nine percent of the school was was Anglo, guetos, gringos, you know, white people. <laughs> so it was tough in that sense. It was the first time that I ever uh, experienced racism. Really? Yeah. So so it was a lot of things that 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 joined together, but. God had a purpose for me, you know, that day, uh, I thank God that nothing happened, you know, I was able to recover, and then started going to church with him, he invited me to church, and I started going to church in, 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 um, in Massachusetts, and I, I used to tell my coach, you're like, okay, I'm going to go to your church, but don't try to change me, because I'm not going to change you, this is who I am, and I grew up in a Catholic home, whatever, so I ended up, uh, after this, after the first year, he ended up not coming back with the second year, and I said, why not, I was like, well, it's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go study to become a pastor. I was like, what? <laughs> so he left like all of a sudden. So I ended up going back to school, and then the the coach I was there before came back again. So me and him never clicked. So I ended up leaving the school after my second year. Came back to to El Paso Juarez, started working with my dad, and that's when I started re training for professional wrestling when I was 22 years old. Uh, well, thank you for sharing. I just quickly want to go back, looking back at this event. What are mm -hmm. some of the things that that you could have done different to avoid that situation. Talk to someone. What is something that maybe I think I think communication is the key. Sometimes as we grow up or, or when we tend to go through things, we we keep it to ourselves, you know. And and that's what I've learned throughout my life. Now that I've gotten older, that I've been through things that I went through a divorce, that I went through, you know, things that we don't that are not pleasant. I've been able to communicate with my friends, with the people that I love, to sh to express how I feel. And it's nothing wrong just because we're a man to express, you know, how you feel that you, if you're sad or if you want to cry or nothing wrong with that. Because we grew up with that mentality of like, oh, you're a man, let us hombre, shouldn't cry, should be tough. Yeah, I'm tough. I'm tough. If you, can you can ask anybody, I'm tough. But I also have a heart and my heart feels and my heart cries and like anybody else. And I think for me, that was the biggest lesson to understand that in life, we're all human. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel. I'm not a machine. And sometimes as men, or because we're jacked, or because we're this, or because we're that, we tend to keep it to ourselves because we don't want to show them that we're weak. And that's not weakness. Especially in our culture, Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's, not, it's, not, it's not weakness. That's not true. So whoever tells you that this, that's not true, if you, if you hit yourself and you want to cry, cry, it's okay. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. And, and it can arguably be the opposite, that when you mm. communicate, that's where you show your, your true strength. Exactly, right? yeah. I mean, nothing, nothing wrong with it. So now I've learned that, you know, I've, that that taught me a lot and also made me communicate with my parents more, you know, and, and, and value what I have, value life, and, and understand that, that uh, everything has a, what is it called? A, una solución. Mm -hmm. an, oh, yeah. an answer, yeah. And they say the only thing that doesn't have an answer is death. 
But even death, if you believe in God, has an answer. So it depends on how you look at it, you know. And and for me, that's that's been a life life experience that made me, you know, go through many things. And and when I was going through a lot of struggle, when I was going through a lot of problems, it kept me going. I was like, everything has a has a has an answer. Maybe not what I want or not at the time that I want it, but it'll come. I'm so glad that you're talking about this because a lot of people, like, this is maybe not something new that they, I'm sure a friend, someone close maybe talks about, but seeing someone like you that very successful, that has all these lights behind him and everything else go through the same thing, hopefully it impacts someone that might need it. So, again, thank you for sharing your story, senor. So, let's go back. So, you come back to El Paso, and that's, this is when you start training to be a professional wrestler, yeah. right? Talk to us a little bit about your experience training. I know it was difficult. <laughs> it was hard. Talk to us about that. Yeah, when I, uh, it was with Victor Ojeda. He passed away this past year. El Pirata, year. right? El Pirata, yeah. yeah. He just passed away a few months ago, and uh, it was tough, you know, because as a young man, you, you think that you're going to go training, and you're going to go training in a wrestling ring. You know, that was my first thing. Oh, vamos a ir al ring and we're going to go train. I get to this little room in, in, in El Neri Santos. And it's just a small room about probably like eight by eight with a pallet and carpet. And that's how I learned to how to bump and learn how to wrestle. For a year and a half, I was like that. We would train outside in El Auditorio. We would run, do all conditioning stuff. And then we would go and take bumps on, on the pallets. <laughs> so I never had the experience of, of learning on a ring till about a year and a half. They would take us every Friday, but the price would be you would have to go Monday through Thursday, and if you missed a day, you wouldn't go on Friday to like a, like to a small arena, a la Coliseo, a la Olimpica, to train the ropes, to train in the ring. So we all wanted to go during the week to be able to go on, on a Friday, and that's, I ended up doing about six months of it. And then one day in, um, in 1999, my coach, Victor Rogedal Pirata, said, hey, you're going to do your de- debut. And uh, it was, I think it was around September, October, what he told me. So look for a name and then get yourself an outfit. And then we're going to make the La Preva, the test, for to see if you can become a professional wrestler. And I was like, man, like, this is amazing. But I used to tell him, like, I'm not ready yet. After a year and a half, you uh, were still like, I, yeah. there's no, that was more about, that, that was, was t- it because you were nervous about it? It or? was about two years now by uh-huh. then. And I used to them like, like, I'm not ready. I was like, yeah, you're ready. Like, you've been wrestling since you were 14 years old. You've done right. amateur. You've done college wrestling. Now you've done, you know, if you train for fun. I was like, no, I think I think I still need more. He's like, no, you don't need anymore. If you got to learn, you got to learn inside the ring. So I ended up getting my license and everything. And then uh, I used to have this crazy dream. Uh, I've, told, I've told it a few times where uh, I was wrestling in this building, but it had, it had the, the symmetry of the wrestling ring, and I was wrestling El Hijo del Santo. So every time I would, like, he would drop kick me, I would take a bump, and I would go down like 100 floors, take a bump, and then I would come up again like that. I had the dream for three, four months, I remember, before I debuted it. And this was a recurring dream. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I debuted November 21st of 1999 as Mystico. El primero y original de esa palabra... No había existido en el vocabulario de la lucha. It had never existed. But later on in life, I'll give a little history. I found out that there used to be a místico yeah. in La Laguna, like in the 50s and 60s. Oh, really? Yeah. ¿Esa no la sabía? Uh-huh, okay. exactly. So, 
Wow, but the name you got originally, it, it didn't, you were not copy no Oh, no, no, I, I had no idea that existed until a few years back oh. that I did a little bit of, search, of searching oh, okay. of history because I also love what I do, so I, I'm a... I'm a historian about, about what I love. So. Señor, the way you describe <laughs> names, dates, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm trying not to call you Sinta, <laughs> Sin Cara. And I'm like, you're already throwing names, numbers, and everything. Sí, sí. That's great. Now, as Mystico, by the way, uh, I, I honestly think that's such a great name, by the way. Yeah. We'll talk about me, you having to change that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, let me, let me ask that question now. How long were you wrestling as Mystico when you heard that, hey, someone else is using the name or is going to use the name? Almost five years now. Almost five years. It was 2004 when, uh, when they, we heard that uh, this new, you know, persona is coming out in Mexico. And a lot of the wrestlers, a lot of my friends thought it was me. From when they came from Mexico, and they would tell me, "Hey, he said you are, the, are you going to Mexico? Are you going to?" I'm like, "No, it's not me. Not that I know of." So, unfortunately, as a young kid, you don't realize that you know there's a lot of politics and everything, and and I never registered the name. I had the, I could prove that I was Mystico for many years, but I didn't have pictures. No tenía esto. I didn't have the money to yeah. to to go in on a legal battle for years for the name you know it was tough and i remember el hijo el santo came down and he told me once like hey well you have everything to fight for the name and i told him you know what I'm, I'm, let me tell you this i know you're not gonna believe me but uh if something belongs to me god one day will give it back to me and i had that i have the best lawyer in the world and that was it that and then many years later Something happened in WWE that we'll talk about later. Yeah, we will, where for sure. They call it divine justice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that as well. Yeah. But it's it just something that uh, I know it's really important because I'm just thinking about, okay, I, I open up my hair salon, mm -hmm. on-point hair salon, and then within, I don't know, three or five years, hey, guess what? You're going to have to change your name because there's another one. Like, what? Exactamente. Imagínate. And I'm like, oh, how, how were you able to deal with that? How long was the process que dijiste? I know that you said that eventually you just moved on. But I'm pretty sure that at that time, they're taking your baby from yeah, you. Yeah, it was tough. I was 20, 26, 27 years old when that happened. And uh, it was tough. But I understood that uh, you have to let go of things sometimes, you know, and, and let him go and let him lose. And, and now that God has a purpose, you know. Then again, for me, has it's been faith, you know. For other people, it's whatever they believe in. That's perfect. But for me, it has been my faith in God and what I believe in. And uh I knew that God gave me a talent and I had a purpose in life, you know, and, and I was like, that's not going to determine who I am. I'm going to determine what I want in my life. And if uh, I remember that I used to tell God, just you open the doors and I'll knock him down. That's all I told him. I would tell him all the time, open the door and I will knock it down no matter what happens. The name is not going to determine what I want to accomplish, who I want to be, because at the end of the day, it's my talent. It's me under the mask. And that's how I kept going. You know, it was tough. And there were times that I wanted to just throw the towels. Like, nah. like we say, you know, and the hell with politics and this and that. I'm, I don't want to go through this. I don't I don't need none of this, you know, because I can go to school. I can do this. I can do that. But I was like, it was my dream. I wasn't going to let it go just because just somebody else thought that something belonged to them. I was going to show them that I did not need none of that. And that you're going to make it happen exactly. regardless. regardless. And you're going to my next question, actually. Before you get that call for WWE to try out, mm -hmm. were there any times that you wanted to quit wrestling altogether? There's a few times, obviously. And then my mom would tell me, when I was the one that got most frustrated, she would be like, you should just quit. You should just go to school, finish your school, or you have a career already. You can have this, you can have that. Because she would see me struggle without a car, without money, without clothes, without a place to stay. 
as a 26, 27 year old, still trying to make it. It was tough. And I told my mom that year, I was like, you know what? If I don't make it in a year, then I'll listen to you. I'll just quit this or wrestle once in a while and I'll focus on my career and, and having a normal job. But I, I told her, I said, just let me, let me have this one chance. Let me have this one chance because I don't want to be older and saying like, coulda, woulda, shoulda, that doesn't exist. So let me try it. If it doesn't work, then then I'll move on. But thank God that it worked out for me, you know, that I got an opportunity to start wrestling for Ring of Honor, Chicago, NWA, Fuerza Mexicana, Lucha Libre, a lot of local promoters here, many, many places that I started, you know, getting myself noticed uh, with a different name. It wasn't Mystico anymore because a lot of the doors were blocked because of the name. But at the end of the day, I understood that sense. So I ended up wrestling as Incognito for many of those companies. It was Mystico de Juarez at first and then Incognito? Uh -huh. or? Era okay. Mystico de Juarez, but then people didn't want to book me yet because they were Mystico. It was Mystico. still a connection. Exactly. Okay. So I ended up switching to Incognito when I debuted for AAA in 2005. And so. then this is what happened. Okay, so then Incognito and then you start wrestling. You moved to Monterrey. Me fui a Monterrey. Talk to uh, us about your time in Monterrey. <laughs> I know a lot of was, things uh, happened over there, by the way. Yeah, in Monterrey, uh, I was studying. I was studying in theology of all things. I was going to a school called Christ for the Nations. There's one in Dallas, one in Argentina. And one in Monterrey, Mexico, and I was going there to become an evangelist. And um, so I was wrestling at the same time, and I was going to school. So I remember I used to go to school in the morning, and in the afternoons I would wrestle Laredo, este, Reynosa, Matamoros, Rio Bravo, Monterrey. And that's how I was sustaining myself economically to pay for the school, to pay for my food, for, you know, where I was living. And then uh, I came back, uh, like, Less than a year later to El Paso, I broke, I broke my hand. My mom uh, started, uh, she had surgery. But throughout that time, I went through a lot of things through also in, in, in the church and, and the people that I, that I was um, having, you know, being a part of. You know, I, I got expelled from church because I was a young man and I took a bad decision. And they ended up just kicking me out. It was tough, man. How were you able to deal with that? I mean, you're still I, at a I young used age. To, yeah, I used to ask my, my I used to tell uh, Pastor Lechuga que le mando un saludo that, uh, from Juarez. I was like, man, like, what is this says in the Bible that, uh, you know, that when you make a mistake, they, they, they have the, they have the authority to kick you out. How come they didn't, they didn't help me? Why didn't, and then he was like, there's nothing in the Bible that says that, but the only thing that I can tell you is that God loves you. He used to tell me all the time. And you know, that's what helped you get through. Yeah, that. I went through a lot, and I went through uh, that. But it, it, at the same time, you know, all those lessons taught me a lot of, of myself. I understood that, uh, like I was saying before, God had a purpose in my life. You know, everything that I that I've done. But and then again, I understood that I took a wrong decision, and that had a bad consequence. Okay, so I was not blaming someone else. No, it was never. You, and then moving. All on. I wanted was to get help by the people that I loved. Wow, so interesting. And I did, and it didn't happen. And so, but I did not. I didn't blame them. To this day, I don't blame them either. If I see him, I say hi. How you doing? You know, same thing. Like nothing happened, because it was my choice. It wasn't their choice. Wow, that <laughs> mindset. Now, did you always believe in your talent? Because I was just telling me that you struggled. That maybe you were thinking of mm -hmm. maybe quitting. But it sounds like since the beginning, mm -hmm. you always believed in yourself. I mean, aside from the goal mm -hmm. that you had mm -hmm. that, you know what, you were not going to waver, you were going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. But you also believed in yourself, that you were talented, your work ethic, oh, yes. all that. Yes, always. Always. I understood as a, as a young age that I had the talent to do what I loved, you know. 
Because uh, at 18 years old, I was already one of the top wrestlers in the nation. This Latino kid from El Paso. It wasn't popular. Wrestling wasn't popular with us. No. Here no, in no. Texas, now it is. Back in the day, it wasn't. I'm talking about 20-something years ago. That's crazy. So so for me, it was it was one of those things that I, I knew that I had the time to to achieve a lot of things. And and I, I, I would always prove myself by wrestling other guys that would, you know, they were already legends. They were already established in the business in, in Mexico and other parts of the world. They would always, you know, at the same time, give me props of, like, my job and what I did. Hey, man, where you, where you from? And they, they were, like, surprised of what I could do. Wow, that recognition, so, that's what helped yeah. you throughout continuing exactly. that because you knew you had it. Uh, the it recognition of you. my peers was, I think, the, the thing that kept me going in that sense. Without them knowing, that was keeping me going in that sense because I was going through a struggle inside myself. You know, like, my name was taken away from me, so what do I do now? And then all of a sudden, in 2008, El Hijo del Santo calls me. He's and like, you're yeah. fighting as incognito. As incognito. Okay. He comes, hey, I'm going to go to Europe, to London. And we're going to have a tour in London for three days. Do you want to come? It was in July. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Like, like let's do it. So I ended up going with them, with him and his wife, Gabriela Obregón. We wrestled, it's called Lucha Libre London now, the, the company. And we wrestled four times in three days. And I ended up wrestling against him as a heel. I was doing uh, the, the heel work and the rudo, no? And he was just amazed at what I could do in, in the ring. You know, as as a performer and everything, and I remember that uh, we came back, and then in December of '08 we went again. He told me we're gonna have another tour, so after that I went again in December. We finished the tour as soon as the tour was done. During that the the show, he called me up into his dressing room. He's like, "Hey, can you come over?" And so I I went over. He's like, "Yeah, how you doing?" He's like, "I just want to congratulate you for you know for this tour for for being with us, and I want to." Give you my, he gave me his mask as a as a gift. He's like, and I'm not giving it to you because of you're because of because you're an amazing wrestler. I'm giving it to you because you're a great person, and that's why I really appreciate it that you're your ethic, your hard work, and everything. And he autographed it for me. Wow! And then he gave it to me, and then uh, I came back, and then a week later, my son was born. <gasps> and all this within <laughs> yeah. a couple of months, a couple yeah, weeks. Yeah. Wow, how did you feel when you got that mask? I know you were. I tengo. Still there. Tennis? Yeah, still there. And very it, emotional. Yeah, sure. very emotional. I remember the the one that I used that day. I gave it to him also, and I I still remember what I told him. You know, I told him like, for him and his wife, I signed it. I was like, thank you for believing. You made me believe in myself again. That's what I told him. Wow. Both of them, and they still have it too. The mask. I should have a picture around there. I'll probably post it later. I'll send it to you so you can wow. show it and. Uh, and it just I just realized that there was a lot of things that I still that I still could do. That was two thousand eight. And then uh during that time I also got a call from AAA and I told him that I would call him, but I never called back. Why? I don't know, it was I don't think it was my time to wrestle with him. And uh a year later I, I was wrestling in the indie circuit and then I got to wrestle X Pac, Sean Walkman, a few times. And sure enough he was the one that recommended me with WWE in December of two thousand nine. He was the one that actually got me a tryout for WWE. Wow, that story is so <laughs> amazing. Yeah. And definitely we're going to move on to WWE now, your your decade there. But let me let me ask you something. When was the moment that you remember like, I made it. I finally made it. Well, in wrestling, it's hard to say, <laughs> to be honest. I'm sure there was maybe but, several. But obviously, like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if we're gonna pinpoint a moment was when I got out of my tryout in uh, December of 2009 in Fort Worth in La Laredo, Laredo, okay. Laredo, Texas. I had a meeting with John Laurinaitis. He was like, "Hey, how you doing?" He told me that. 
hey, hey, so you think you're better than Rey Mysterio? He asked me that. And I was like, you know what? Like, uh, I don't know if I'm better than him, but I can tell you is maybe I can do things that he can't do. I was like, just give me a shot and you, you'll know. So when I got out of the meeting, I was like, well, we're going to give you a shot and see if you go back home or whatever. So once I got out of the meeting, they told me, like, they're never going to give me a contract right there. So that's that's the time that I knew, like, man, like, this is real. This is not no talk no more. Because your this dream, even real. though it was wrestling, but it was always been WWE, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, because the guys that came before us, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Psicosis, Hector Garza, Halloween, like Nicho El Millonario, Silver King, Los Villanos, all those guys that did the transition into WCW back in the day, motivated us that we could do something like that too. You know? And, you, and if you see later on, a lot of those guys became the stars for WWE. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho. A lot of people don't like to say this name, but Chris Wall, you know, all those guys. And, and they paved the way for us. So that's when I knew that, like, man, it's not only Mexico that I can make it. There's another place that I can make it in. So being here. bilingual, I mean, that exactly. definitely mm -hmm. helps out yeah. tremendously yeah, as definitely. well. And having that, I mean, yeah. growing up in the border, watching Mexico or uh, Mexican wrestlers, yeah. and guess what? Also watching yeah. American wrestling. So, of course, yeah. I could just imagine. And that happened after how many years of career? Ten years? Ten years. I was already wrestling for ten years in the independent circuit. I had never signed a contract with any company, nor AAA, nor Consejo, no, nobody. And that was my first actual contract when I got home. In, uh, in December, uh, I had my contract like in the beginning of the year, January of 2010. I already had it in my hand, and I did the whole deal. My first day with WD was February 22nd of, of 2010 for FCW. It was called Florida Championship Wrestling, which was the, the development school, program. The right? development program. But it wasn't it wasn't like now it is, nowadays. Now, nowadays is awesome. It's its own brand, you know? For back in the day, it was like this little small company, El Pato, El Patito Feo, no? That's the, what it was. The WWE. I would have to, we, they would, we, we had to get, uh, what is it called? Like uh, teams to go put the posters up in the street. So you were basically working for your stay there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. We, we would set up the ring. We would uh, go have like a poster day, set up the posters. One time I got, I should remember, sorry, I got in trouble with Steve Kern. Uh, cause I, uh, later on they put like a list on the wall and then you would volunteer. And one day I went back cause I was already on the main roster and filled out the list with all the names, like guys that would never do it. Like Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns and all those guys. You were filling up their names. <laughs> so they knew, oh. that, it was, they knew that, that it was sick. So I get a card from Safeguard like, Hey, why are you messing with the list? And then, and then later on I went to say, you know what? I'm sorry. It's like, nah, don't worry about it. I, Everybody I'm the first it. guy yeah. to, you know, prank people. So I understand. You know, but I just had to give you a hard time because of this and that. But, but yeah, I went through the whole deal, man. Oh, that's so cool. How long did it take you in the development program before you developed the character of Unico? Or what was the, the Unico, character? Unico, was Unico, Unico, right? con el mascarado. It was the same outfit as, as Místico and Incognito. And I was there for about a year and a half, about a year and seven months. And then uh, this kid from Mexico, el Místico, el que ya le había dado el nombre, comes and gets signed by the company. And yep. they make... They made this big press conference in Mexico, the next big star, firmamos a la estrella más grande del mundo ahorita. And they gave him the name Sin Cara. So then they asked me, like, do you have any, you know, any, I'm like, no. Because they knew already your story, they, the they background. They knew a little, a little bit about that. I was like, no, I'm not in conflict with my job. I love what I do. And if I have to wrestle him, I have to, well, let's do it. I'm here to make money. I'm here to, to you know, to showcase my talent. And if he's going to come here, It's my opportunity to shine. Yeah. Use that. 
to shine to feel you as well exactly i'm sure that at first before you had that mindset though i mean here comes a mexican wrestler you wrestle in mexico <laughs> like great name by the way and all the backup that he's getting and you're like oh i'm yeah. here i did my 10 years and, now again. and this guy comes <laughs> and again it's gonna take my yeah. name my my, my persona as See, but i mean I, I it was it was different i was a little more mature now so he starts working and then two months later he gets suspended as soon as he got in and that's where i came in you know, to 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 fill out his in a sense his shoes, and I was dressing as as Sincara, and then he came back because they wanted they wanted him to succeed so bad, you know, because they had invested so much yeah. in him. So um, it was, I think it was the first first uh, big signing done by by Triple H, and uh, he wanted to show Vince that he could take care of the company, that he could bring in talent, and, and you know, and so then this guy's just. You know he he's not he doesn't do well. They keep giving him opportunity after. So you were saying that you are already fighting well in the development program already as unico a yeah. year and a half I believe maybe a year. That's when Sincara the the mystical comes f to play yeah. the Sincara role. Sure. Talk to us uh, as far as the first time you were uh, substituting him. Was it? Where, did they tell you you were only going to substitute him till he gets back? I know he was suspended. Or they just told you, guess, guess what, you're taking over the character. No, they didn't really tell me anything. They just told me you're, you're being called up to the main roster. You're going to do Sin Cara, and that was it. I didn't really have an idea what was going on, if he was coming back, if I was going to continue, or it was just for a few dates. If he came back, I had no idea, no clue of what was going to happen, to be honest. And then what happened? When is it that they told you, you know what, like he's back, you're going to now do Sin Cara Negro? When, well, when, when did that happen? When he was about to come back, that's when I really got to know a little bit about what was going on with one of the writers. Like, yeah, we want to continue the story with you and him, and you're going to become the, like the, the black Sin Cara. We need you to, you know, do a black outfit, like insane, but black. And I was like, all right. So I ended up, like, doing that. But they, they never really told me ahead of time, like, that they wanted him to actually just take over, I thought it was gonna, it was gonna be a continuation of us throughout some time, because I don't think there's ever there's ever been like a, like a heel with a mask in the league that has sustained itself for for a long period of time. So I thought that that's what they wanted to do. Okay, and what happens when when you find out that that that, that does not happen? That well, they, the they uh, we had a we had we had live television in Mexico City during that day. It was in 2011. And um, they had a meeting before the show, before SmackDown, where, you know, the agents, Vince, and them get together to go over the show. And they uh, they decided that uh, it was time for me to move on, you know, from Sin Cara Black because they wanted him to obviously keep keep the character and, and keep and keep shining, you know. It was Mexico City, you know, they wanted him to, to uh, go over in a sense. So when that happened, I remember um, Arn Anderson, which I... Uh, he's always been very good to me. He now works for AEW as an agent. Uh, he tells me, I'm sorry, kid. I tried. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, well, we had a meeting. And I told him straight out that they were taking the mask out of the wrong guy. Like, I'm sorry, I tried. So then that happens. I move on, you know, from the Sicara and become Unico without mm -hmm. a mask for, a, for about a year, year a, couple, a couple of years during during that time. He was continuing as Sin Cara or whatever. And then, but throughout that time, he, uh, I, I got injured. I left for about nine months. And then throughout that time, he kept missing dates. He kept doing things that supposedly this, supposedly that, because he was playing the system. No matter what happens, we would get paid by week. So I was like, oh, I get hurt. So he wouldn't come wrestle and things like that. And 
And then all of a sudden, I got a call from the company when I was coming back from my injury. They, if I wanted to take over the the Sincara character, and I was like in shock. I was like, "What do you mean?" Is now, honestly, <laughs> now you have your question. Now I'm taking <laughs> over the whole character. Yeah, right? I was like, I was like, I was like they, we had a meeting today, and the boss says if you want to take over the character, he's more than willing to give it to you and and go go all on board with you. And I was like. Let's do it. So, well, no yeah. doubt. <laughs> yeah. Automatically say, you no, know what? Because yeah. for you, I know that having a mask has always been since the beginning exactly. your goal, what you wanted to do. So now that they offer you that, no doubts, I wanted to go and yeah. jump into that. Exactly. It was it was one of those. And then like, you know how in the movies, like the, the little film goes like, all your life. That's how my life went, like from the beginning until now. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. And then all of a sudden, like, We go on tour, in Europe tour, and I was still wrestling as Unico. When I came back from the tour, December of 2013, that's when I debuted as, as Sin Cara again with a mask on. And he was eating some tacos in Mexico City. He tweeted out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's so funny. Now, yeah. let me ask you this. At this point, did you already as a wrestler knew kind of his reputation, the flops? I know he maybe uh, he didn't adapt it to the American mm -hmm. uh, style. Did you already know that you were starting not from zero, but maybe from negative? Yeah, of course. Of you course. Knew this. I, I knew everything. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I was up to the challenge. I knew that it wasn't, you know, sometimes people had a perspective of, of the character of what was going on that, that he never, like you were saying, he never adapted to the to the styles because in Mexico, he's been so used to wrestling with the same people all the time. You know, you get, como dice, tan casaditos, you know, the same guy, same guys. And, and over here, you got to wrestle everybody. Big Show, Orton, Cena, uh, um, The Ascension, all those guys I had to work with everybody. And no matter who it is, you got to adapt to, to, if you're a great wrestler, you're going to wrestle with, with anybody. And he wasn't like that. He would only wrestle with certain people. And I think another thing that affected him was the barrier language. You know, he never wanted to learn English. Why was that? I mean, that's I just... don't know. I think it's the mentality. It's one of those things that maybe the, he didn't have the mentality to really focus on that or he never wanted. I don't know. You know, one of those things like everybody has their own thoughts, but I think sometimes they uh, categorize wrestlers in that sense. Like, oh. Es mexicano, no quiere aprender, you know? It's not true. A lot of us want to learn. A lot of us want to learn. Andrade has learned English, you know? Now he's dating Charlotte. Obviously, that helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's true, you know? Uh, and Alberto del Rio, he didn't learn English. He learned it over here when he was in, in WWE. So it's one of those things, like, it's just a matter of the person and, and what do you want to accomplish and who do you want to become. And I think he was, like, a lot of things were given to him in that sense that he never really... He never you know, worked had to, on it, right? Exactly. Because he came as a and superstar mm -hmm. and maybe thought and that was going to be the same treatment. And unfortunately, and yeah. And unfortunately for him, you know, it didn't work out, yeah. Wow. And good for you. And in this case, you already knew that kind of the problems that, that you were going to face at the beginning. You took oh, the yeah, challenge cause, right Because a lot, a lot of people would, like, when I created my Twitter account or whatever, I would always get all these tweets from fans like, hey, they, I was like, I was like, no, man, you got the wrong guy. This is the guy that you're talking about. And I would always tag him. But it came to a point that I was like, just like, ah, I don't need to answer to all those people, you know? Like, who knows? Knows who doesn't know, then I'm sorry. That's just the way. <laughs> yeah, I work different. You know, I do things different in the ring. So if, if you think it's me, well, that's on you. Nice. All right, so let's just jump in. You are traveling the world. You're now fighting a Sincara. What is going through your head right now? You're now you find yourself in a place that you want to. Mm -hmm. what, what's going on? Well, I was excited for the opportunity. I was like, man, this guy has they they've invested so much money in this guy, so much time, so much of everything that I'm like, now it's my turn to you know make all that investment be worthwhile for them. But guess what happened? I didn't get the same opportunities. They 
I did not get, you know, what he got, the benefit of the doubt, all those things that, you know, throughout his two, three years that he was there, he got. I didn't. Why the, do you think that happened? My personal opinion, mm-hmm. nothing against anybody. I think it was, if I succeeded, it was a bigger failure for Triple H. Because, because that's proven Because that he was the one that hired him to come to WWE. And if I succeeded, then it was going to be a bigger failure t- towards him on Vince. You know, showing Vince that because Vince was the one that put the finger at me. Hey, let's put this guy as Cara. So I never got that that push. I never got that uh, that support in those meetings. You know, hey, let's let's help this kid out. Let's do this. Let's do that for him. I never. You know what I? You know what they brought me down to NXT. This is true. They don't say it, but I know it's true. Triple H brought me down to NXT because they wanted Kalisto to be the next Rey Mysterio. Really? It wasn't to showcase me or to make me. NXT champion or whatever, he was to showcase him. Well, but as you were doing <laughs> this, you were proving your skills. And exactly. Of course you, yeah, I, I always this took, is where you found your opportunity I always to took it as an opportunity. I never took it in the in a sense like, oh, they're going to use me, pobrecito. No, 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 no. Okay, they want to use me, I'm going to use them now and showcase who's better. You know, and, and proof of it is that no matter where I go, no matter where I go, no matter when I went, when I was with them, I would always get a reaction from the crowd, always. And that was the mentality of them when they had those meetings. Because I know this because it came out of their mouth one time. Like, oh, no matter what's in Caradas, people still love him. No yeah. matter if he wins or loses. I'm like, yeah, but I want a piece of the pie too. People like winners. They don't like losers. Yeah. You were describing, you were talking mm-hmm. about, and, and and I was like, oh, my God, that's so true that you were talking about coming back home. Mm-hmm. Y tus niños, your kid's telling you, hey, Dad, how come you're losing? You're losing, and you're like, how can you explain that It's so hard to, to let, a kid. Exactly. What do you say to your kids? Like, Dad, you always lose. Like, I, what do you explain? Oh, it's my job. You know, they don't understand that. They don't understand that. But, and that was tough for me, you know, as, as a parent, as a performer, as a It's a professional to tell your kids. What do you explain to your kids? And so it came to a point that I realized, like, nothing was going to change for me, you know. It wasn't a decision that I took from one day to another. It took me years to actually, you know, go ahead and, and, and ask for my release. I had told him a year before. I was like, let me go if you don't want me here. I was like, I'm, let, you're not going to use let me go. And they're like, no, we're not going to let whatever. Why do you want to leave, you know? And I'm like, because I'm tired of the same situation. It's always the same people that get the opportunities. The same five, six people all the time. And what about the rest of us? And so it wasn't something that I went on for, like, you know, that for that period of time. And then I was gone. No, no, no. It took me a long time. I talked to the viewer that I had to talk to, and nothing changed because everybody passes a little ball like, here, oh, no, it's this guy, it's that Until guy, it's this guy. Finally Until enough. I finally, you know, took the decision. I prayed a lot. I called a few of my friends and... And I told them how I felt, and they told me, like, if you think it's time, it's time now. So that's why I decided to put out a release statement saying how I felt, because I've always been very private in, in every sense of the word in my in my uh, social media. And But it was time for me to let people know how I felt. And them, too, because I asked for a meeting with Vince. They told me that I had to make an appointment. I'm like, if I have to make an appointment with Vince after 10 years in this company, then I don't belong here. Wow. Simple as that. You know, nothing against anybody. And when I spoke with uh, Carano, uh, he's always been good to me. He was always good to me. He's always been good to me and nothing against him. I told him, this is business. This is not personal. Me and you, nothing that I say is, is personal. Don't take it personal. And even to this day, you know, he sent me a text message when I when it was my birthday and it was cool, you know. Because I was there for 10 years and I built a lot of good relationships with people. But I think it's just a system. The system is rotten. That's 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 an ugly word to use. But it's true. It's a system that needs to change. 
is the system that is to adapt to new times. You see a lot of talent go there, and then they leave. And why? You under, like why did they want to leave? It's hard. It's hard to say, right? Because it's the biggest and and most uh, successful company in the world. And obviously, the guys that have succeeded is because they given them the opportunity to succeed. Simple as that. It's not because he's better than me or better than the other guy. It's because they have been constant with him and they've given them the opportunity to succeed so that people would like him. The shield wasn't forming one day. They gave him an opportunity for years to succeed. How come we never got that? How come Epico, Primo, myself, when they join us as a group for the first time, they're like, oh, they look like gangsters. And all of a sudden, you bring the shield in. Oh, no, the shield. Let's keep him together. Or like the now the Hurt Business, you know, yeah. uh, Cedric Alexander, all those guys, which is awesome. How come we don't get the opportunity like that, los Latinos? We don't. Look at look at Calisto. What he's doing? Nothing. Look at Metallic. What is he doing? He goes down to NXT a couple of weeks ago, and he loses to Escobar. He's in the main roster, right? He's supposed to be better than the guys from NXT in a sense. But he just, just threw him down there to showcase Escobar, which is perfect. It's another Latino. But how come you don't give him the NXT title? Why well, you have to give him the Cruiserweight, the US title? How come we never get the opportunity to succeed in those big, big matches? Andrade is still there. He's he's proving himself that he's an amazing worker. He can work with anybody, go with anybody. What is he doing? Yeah. Not much. And you had always, and especially it, it comes in fact there, the thing that you were always putting yourself out there for mm -hmm. an opportunity. You always. knew that you had to start from the bottom, that you yeah. knew that, yeah. but you were waiting for that chance to shine. Exactly. And it never happened. And it never happened. And I'm glad when I got the call, when they told me they were going to grab me my release, they, they told me straight out, you know, we're never going to give you the opportunity that you wanted. Like that, they told me. And at least during that moment, I was like, thank you for being was, honest with I me. I was right, right? Yes, when exactly. That, getting and that I was validation. like, thank you for being honest wow. for once, not throwing the ball to anybody. Thank you for being honest. And I was like, I made the right decision. I definitely made the right decision. So it was uh, one of those times that I was like, man, uh, I'm excited for the future. I'm excited to move on. I'm excited to, you know, showcase now my talent, have control in every sense of the word of who I am, you know, not putting over all these guys that unfortunately suck because they do suck, but they want to make them. It's like, it's my turn to shine. And then what happened? COVID comes yeah. along and messes with everybody. <laughs> of course. No, sir. And, and again, and I was telling you this prior, I mean, not only in wrestling, but there's a lot of people that can identify with you. I mean, you were yeah. at the top. You were getting steady income. Yeah. I mean, you you were extremely famous. You still are, but as Sincara, mm. worldwide known and everything. Yet you still decided that you know what I'm gonna go in and follow my path. Yeah, it was it was a matter of like of me of who I am of what I believe in and and I understand that God then again had another another way for me. It wasn't. Maybe it wasn't that, you know, I was there for 10 years. Okay, it's time to move on and, and nothing's changed. So I gave it my opportunity. Now it's time to 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 go and, and look for my opportunity. Now, if they don't give it to me, let's look for it. But not be attached to anybody because they would, you know, they, they own you in every sense, in every sense, you know. And then if you, I, I stopped giving ideas to the writers because nothing would happen. I started giving ideas to this or that for merch for everything because the, the system is rotten. And everybody... Things they're better than you. The writers, the 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 production guys, the the guys from uh, Merge. All oh, those guys are horrible, man. I'm serious. Those guys are horrible. You would give them an idea, and then they're like, "Oh no, that's a bad idea. That's not good, or whatever." Like, at least try it. 
let me see what comes up with and nothing man so it's tough you know it was tough being in a place like that i was like i was like i told when i had a meeting with i was like man i was i'm the one that put it on my body on the line for everybody else to have a job here if i don't wrestle if aj style doesn't wrestle if he doesn't wrestle how are you gonna make shirts of those guys and how the guy from merch has a job how the writer has a job if said rollins is not wrestling how do you come up with ideas for you know for brock lester for all those guys But they know they think they're better than you. And that's tough because you have to depend on them because the company depends on them. So it was so hard in that sense. Wow, that's so true. So when they finally grant you the release, everything was like, yes, yeah, yeah. I'm free from all this. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Wow. What was the one thing that kept you? Because you know, it wasn't like an overnight thing. You said years, you talked to a lot of people. Mm. What were some of the things that you were like, oh, yeah, they were still stuck that maybe had you uh, before making that decision that you were still stuck on? Maybe was it the steady income? Was it the fame? Was it the no, steady job? The, what was the, it? The fame was never it. It was, it was uh, I think, now that I had kids, the steady income, you know? Being able to provide for them, being able to have a, a you know something that they come home and they have their food, they have the, you know that I could pay for for things that they that I was living with, and and that's the hardest part because like okay, but then I was like man like I'll move on, you know I'll be okay, you know I did it for ten years without them I can do another ten twenty whatever I need to without them it's okay, the world's not gonna end and and I'll I'll find a way to succeed I'll find another way to to do what I want to do and. And I just want to be happy again. I want to. I want to fall in love with my career again, because I lost that. So when I lost that, that's when I realized that like I'm done. I'm done here. And and I tell you this from experience because I know a lot of guys now and then feel the same way, but they don't leave because this is the thing that they want. Of course. And yeah. I get it because their family depends on them. But a perfect example, Metallic, Grand Metallic. He's an amazing wrestler, man. He was a five-time world champ when he was in New Japan, when he was in Mexico, and then you bring him here, he has never won anything. Not one thing has he won. Is that decided? I mean, it's obviously at the office above, yeah. but is that just because, is it personal? Is it just, you know what, we bring you on knowing that? How is <laughs> no, the process? Of- I have no idea what's the process or what's the deal, but I think that uh, Latinos, we don't get the opportunity that we deserve, to be honest. Wow. And for us, it's it's harder to we have to showcase our talent or we have to prove ourselves twice than anybody else. And then, like like we said, and in yeah. your specific uh-huh. story, starting when you when you made uh-huh. it big now to Sincara permanently, yeah. already starting from negative, and maybe they already knew that uh-huh. you know what Sincara is not gonna go back to the same opportunity. Yeah, that but they you have the po- you have the power of television. You have the power to change the perception of people. You have the power to yeah. do that. What happened with Roman Reigns? People didn't like it because they understood that they wanted to make him so hard. They wanted to throw him out of people's throats all the time, all the time. Now that he's a heel, people like it. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's Which is pretty like cool. Said, yeah. I think he's doing an amazing job. He's a great worker. He's a good friend of mine. And nothing against anybody. This is not about personal stuff. This is about business. And for me, that's the thing, you know? I, I just wanted a chance to succeed. That's all I ask for all the time. I never ask for anything else, but just a ch- chance to succeed and showcase my talent. How come we never came to El Paso and did a documentary of my life? When I got injured, how come they didn't send somebody a camera crew to where, when I got my surgery? Ah, oh, but when Seth Rollins got injured, let's take a crew. When the other guy got injured, let's take a crew and document everything. You know, you could tell the difference in everything. And it's so wonderful to hear that. Not only that, because again, in any job place, in any work, there's yeah. social scenarios, yeah. but you're taking a stand for it yeah. and actually doing something about yeah, it. So yeah. that's and, and like, I, like I was saying, it's nothing against anybody, not against the, the guys that are their name, they're good friends of mine, but it's the system. It's the system that has 
you know, made that in, in every sense of the word. And, and it's just so bad for a lot of us, not just me, for a lot of guys that are still there that are very talented. Another example I can tell you is Ricochet. Ricochet was in Japan, like, you know, filling out arenas and doing amazing matches with, with Osprey and all those guys. And then, boom, he comes over here. Boom, ¿qué pasa? Pa abajo otra vez. You know? How discouraging that It's might be, right? So Especially hard, when you come yeah. here thinking that oh, I made it, <laughs> exactly. this, we're going to make it big, and then little by little seeing exactly. what happens. Exactly. No, señor, I appreciate this. Let me just ask you one last question before we move on to the Spanish, uh, to the question that I have for you in Spanish. What, are, what is one recommendation that you have for people that find themselves where you were at before? Well, in, for personal experience, I think it's very important to, to don't lose your passion. Never let anybody take your passion away from you because then you become miserable, you become angry, you become a person that you're not. And it's hard to realize that because you're stuck in a place. It becomes like a system. Now I understand like when prisoners say like, how am I going to go all through the world if I've been in a system like this? They provide for me this, they provide me that. And all of a sudden, I got to look at it on my own. That's so hard. So that happened to me when I was there for 10 years. But... I realized that, you know, that I could move on, that I could do a lot of things now. I have the freedom to do many things now, and I'm just happy. I'm in a happier place. Money doesn't buy happiness. How do you it, buy back? it can buy material stuff to make you happy, but it doesn't buy happiness is the difference. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. That was very powerful. Déjame, okay. te hago unas preguntas. Ya regresando a tu carrera, ahora, okay. ¿dónde estás ahorita? ¿A qué le atribuyes la mayoría de tu éxito? ¿A tu talento que has tenido? ¿A tu ética de trabajo? ¿Qué es lo que piensas? ¿Sabes qué? Esto fue, obviamente es una combinación, pero ¿tú qué sí. piensas que es? Bueno, obviamente, pues, es una combinación de todo, ¿no? De, de las relaciones que vas construyendo al, a lo largo de tu carrera. Oye, o sea, cuando yo estaba en la empresa, había gente, había gente muy buena también, ¿no? Gente, no todo era malo, claro que no. Y hice relaciones con mucha gente. No nomás dentro de W, sino fuera de ella. Entonces, todas esas relaciones hoy en día están, están brindando fruto. ¿A, ¿A qué me refiero? Que ahora que estamos con el nuevo proyecto de American Entertainment Management Group, le puedo hablar a alguien que trabajaba en W antes y que le digo, oye, ¿cómo le hago para el ring? ¿O cómo le hago para las luces? ¿O cómo le hago en cuestiones de producción o las cámaras? Entonces, todas esas relaciones que hice con toda esa gente han ayudado a construir lo que estamos haciendo ahora. El de las chamarras el de las máscaras, el de todo ese tipo de cositas que trabajaban o que hacían cosas para la empresa, yo siempre lo trasté bien porque nunca sabía uno, dice, mi lema siempre ha sido, todos necesitamos de todos, entonces nunca sabes, hasta el más pequeño te puede enseñar algo, entonces hoy en día ha sido una combinación como tú decías, de todo, no obviamente de la ética, de, de tu profesionalismo, de, de cómo te llevas con la gente, de tu humildad, porque si yo fuera sangrón, pues aunque tenga el dinero, que tenga la fama, les vale gorro, la gente te, te va a ignorar, pero si eres... Y eso lo entendiste desde, oh, desde sí. muy joven. Desde muy joven, mi abuelo y mi familia siempre me enseñó a ser humilde, a, a poner los pies sobre la tierra y estar tranquilo. Ok, señor, entonces estábamos hablando de que le atribuyes, a, bueno, el talento, la dedicación, pero también desde joven, desde chavo, supiste, sabes que cómo relacionarte con la gente, que sí. ahorita, que ya estás fuera de la, de la empresa más grande, es lo que estás desarrollando todavía, ¿verdad? Sí, sí, obviamente, eso, te digo, eso es muy importante, las relaciones que, que, que hacemos con la gente... Con, con las personas con las que convives, no, 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 yo no soy Superman, no puedo hacer todo yo solo, entonces, eso es muy importante, o sea, nunca sabes quién te puede enseñar algo, quién te puede ayudar en algo, entonces, 
es importante saber tratar a la gente de una manera respetuosa, con, con cariño, con respeto siempre, porque pues yo también espero eso de la gente. Sí, déjate. Y aparte no es nada más para, por si algún día se me ofrece, pero es lo que ah, te no. enseñaron tus papás, tu sí. familia, lo que sabes sí, que eso, eso es lo correcto. Eso, la verdad a veces lo hago sin, sin ningún interés y, y algún día, a lo mejor esa persona no me va a pagar, pero a lo mejor alguien más sí, entonces... O alguien más te lo regresa. Entonces, así es, ¿no? Eso es, es como un ciclo de la vida. Exacto. Señor, ¿qué es la diferencia de la gente que la hace profesional y la gente que no? Si, sobre todo, es si empiezan que... con las mismas ganas, ¿qué sí. es lo que pasa en el camino que la gente se pierda? Pues, a lo mejor les sucedió algo que, que los desmotivó, que realmente les pegó duro y, y perdieron el rumbo, perdieron el camino, no tuvieron la constancia, no tuvieron a lo mejor el, la madurez de aceptar ciertas cosas o de... O de enfocarse realmente en su sueño, o sea, es, es difícil, es difícil el mundo de la lucha libre, no, no cualquiera tiene la oportunidad de, de trabajar para las empresas grandes, pero al final del día lo que tienes que hacer, a lo mejor si luchas en alguna arena o toda tu vida luchaste en alguna arena, eso te hizo feliz, no tiene nada de malo, a lo mejor tu sueño no era ir a las grandes ligas como dicen, entre comillas, a lo mejor para ti eso era lo que te hacía feliz y para ti es llegar a las grandes ligas. No necesariamente tiene que ser de esa manera, o sea, dependiendo el enfoque que le pongas y, y como tú lo veas también. ¿Tú crees que también es de perseverancia que estábamos hablando antes? Claro, sí, eso es algo que, que es muy importante, la perseverancia, en, en la constancia de, de, de luchar por tu sueño, de estar ahí, de, de estar picando piedra, de si una parte se cierra, ¿cómo le hago para abrir otra? Si, si se abre otra, ¿cómo abro para abrir otra? Y así, o sea, es, es, es paso a paso, poco a poco. La palabra aquí es paciencia, es muy difícil tener paciencia, pero pues teniendo paciencia todo se puede, ¿no? A veces estamos ahí cerquitas ya para la meta, pero a lo mejor no somos pacientes y nos salimos de la carrera, ¿y qué pasa? Pues no vas a llegar a la meta, es lo que sucede a veces, muchas, muchas veces en muchas carreras. Ah, y ya cuando estás ahí, señor, ¿qué es lo más difícil de ser un luchador profesional? Pues mantenerte, mantenerte... <risa> Este, alejado de tantas cosas, ¿no? Que, que está ahí de vicios, de las fracturas también, porque a veces fracturas obviamente ponen en alto muchas carreras en, es, en, en, en la lucha libre y en otros deportes también, pero sí es bien importante eso de, de enfocarte, de seguir entrenando, de seguir preparándote, de no perder el rumbo, de no perder la meta, de darte cuenta que cuando ya llegas, no nomás es llegar, es mantenerte. Hay que trabajar más duro. ¿Cómo le decías tú para que no te llevara, por ejemplo, cuando el contrato, cuando el dinero venió, llegó? ¿cuándo, ¿Cómo le hiciste tú para mantenerte todavía recto en esa línea? Pues mis hijos me, me enfocaban en eso, ¿no? En mi familia, en, en irme a trabajar y subirme al ring y, y decir, man, estoy haciendo lo que tanto amo. Es luchar y, es, y todavía me están pagando y tengo algo que mucha gente quiere tener y no lo tiene, entonces trataba siempre, o he tratado siempre de verlo de esa manera, ¿no? De, el ser agradecido, el ser, saber exactamente. lo que te costó, sí, sí, el sí. trabajo. Sí, el ser agradecido sobre todo con Dios siempre es bien, bien importante eso, y con la gente que te ayuda también, ¿no? Wow, no, señor, sí. gracias. Ahora déjame, te hago unas preguntas personales. ¿Cómo eres tú fuera del personaje? ¿Cómo describías tu, tu personalidad fuera del personaje? Soy de, soy de carácter fuerte. Sí. Sí, obviamente con el tiempo, con ya con los años pues vas madurando, vas este, pensando un poquito más las cosas, pero soy un padre muy amoroso, amo a mis hijos con todo mi corazón y ellos lo saben, quiero darle siempre lo mejor a mi familia también, he aprendido a, a dejar las cosas en, a un lado, si algún día tuvimos algún conflicto de X por cualquier razón, saber que la vida es muy corta, especialmente hoy en día, ¿no? nos hemos dado cuenta, tristemente mucha gente cercana a mi círculo ya no está con nosotros, por cuestiones, pues, de COVID o de otras cosas, pero, 
pues gracias a Dios que tuve la oportunidad de muchos de ellos que sabían que los quería, que los amaba, que nunca me guardé nada. Entonces es importante no guardarse de nada, decirle a la gente que la amamos, que la amamos, no nomás... Y este, demostrarlo, de, ¿verdad? De, no nomás de vez en cuando en el cumpleaños o en el esto, o sea, sino ser constante con ellos y que sepan que, que a lo mejor si algún día de mañana yo no estoy, que sepan que yo los amaba. Y yo es igual con mis hijos, ¿no? Entonces esa es la manera en que, en que yo puedo hoy en día pues describir realmente quién es, pues, sin cara, sin tallor. Wow. ¿Qué te gusta hacer cuando no estás luchando, cuando obviamente pasar tiempo con tus hijos, pero que, que es algo que te apasiona, que a lo mejor haces? Me gusta mucho los deportes, el, ¿Sí? el básquetbol, me gusta mucho el básquetbol, me gusta el básquetbol, me gusta pasar mucho tiempo en mi casa, la verdad, disfruto mucho de estar en mi casa, de estar ahí... Ahí acostado viendo televisión o Netflix o lo que esté, ¿no? Ahí... ¿Por qué pasa esto? ¿Por el tiempo que viviste o que has es estado en el aire que es, ya es sabes que al regresar? Yo creo, es bien extraño, ¿no? Mucha gente se imagina a lo mejor que me gusta la música medio loca acá cuando entreno. Yo entreno con música más tranquilona y, y me gusta mucho estar más tranquilo. A lo mejor como mi trabajo es tan loco con la gente y que esto y que el otro y, y busco lo opuesto, la tranquilidad, la... la la soledad también me gusta mucho. Ah, ok. Mira, sí. eso sí yo no me lo imaginaba <risa> también. Sí. Pero no, pues gracias por, uh, pues, darnos esos detalles. Señor, hablaste ya poquito de la discriminación. Platícanos más. Yo sé que hasta golpes te agarraste ya cuando estabas a nivel <risa> profesional. Platícanos sí. poquito de, de esas experiencias. Bueno, la, las experiencias que tuve no, 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 no las adjudico a, en cuestiones de, de racismo o nada uh -huh. así, ¿no? Pero sí en cuestiones de que te quieren ver menos, que te quieren ver más chiquito porque a lo mejor físicamente, a lo mejor de dónde vienes, no se imaginan de dónde vienes y quieren ahí como que hacerse lucir ahí con, con los compañeros y pues no saben de dónde vengo, yo vengo del segundo de la Rey Colorado de Juárez, pues no, no me iba a dejar, ¿no? Le digo, ya estoy curada de espanto, les decía yo, así es que si tú me quieres venir a pantallar, como decimos, le digo, pues estás equivocado, le digo, voy a pantallar a aquel vato que a mí no, no me vas a pantallar. Entonces, obviamente en ese aspecto no creo que haya sido nada de eso, pero sí, obviamente... Pues en cuestiones de mi trabajo, ¿no? El latino siempre tiene que demostrar más en, en una empresa americana y, y prueba de ello es lo que está sucediendo hoy en día con las empresas de lucha libre en Estados Unidos. Cualquiera que tú le digas, ¿cuántos latinos, cuántos mexicanos realmente tienen para no sobresalir? O sea, todos son muy buenos luchadores, todos tienen todo para hacerla. Pero la nomás mentalidad, es, nomás es, la, la, nomás es que les den esa oportunidad, pero no sí, se las dan. Aparte. No, señor, gracias. Déjame, te hago una pregunta. No sé si ya lo has pensado, pero ¿cómo quieres ser recordado cuando ya re, eh, tu carrera se acabe por fin? ¿Cómo quieres que la gente te recuerde eh, luchísticamente? Híjole, esa es muy, muy buena pregunta. La verdad, nunca, nunca me he puesto a pensar este, cómo me gustaría que me recordaran. Pues, nomás, o sea, no sé. A mí mi, <ríe> mi, mi, mi legado sería pues que mis hijos se sientan orgullosos de mí, ¿no? Que mi gente que está rodeada de mí o la gente de aquí de, de esta frontera, pues se dio cuenta que pues no fue fácil, que se batalló, pero al final de cuenta pues logramos muchísimas cosas y, y logramos llegar el, el nombre de esta frontera muy en alto y eso es lo más importante. Pero ¿sabes qué es lo curioso? Que siempre es así, al final cuando ya te mueres ya todo el mundo, ay, sí, ¿quién sabe okay. qué? Pues ¿para qué ya? O sea, reconozcanlo cuando están vivos, ya cuando están muertos ya ¿para qué? Entonces le digo, al final del día, para mí mi, mi legado es dejarles una educación a mis hijos y pues algo que se sientan orgullosos de mí. ¿Tú te sientes orgulloso de ti? De sí, lo que has hecho. Sí, gracias a Dios, sí. Obviamente no me siento conforme porque no soy conformista, por eso he tomado la decisión de, de ahora crear American Entertainment Management Group con, con mi amigo Mark Hernández, que él es dueño de American Solar Group. 
y hemos decidido pues tomar esta aventura ¿no? de, de darle la oportunidad a talento nuevo de esta frontera y de otros lugares una plataforma para muchos de ellos que no han tenido la oportunidad de, de trabajar pues a lo mejor conmigo o con otros compañeros que estuvimos en W entonces la verdad es algo que, que me motiva a seguir adelante me motiva para, para seguir creciendo y madurando en todos los aspectos de mi carrera no, gracias señor ahora um... Esta pregunta, yo le he tratado de, de que alguien me la respuesta, todavía no, todavía no, espero que tú, me imagino como <risa> profesional si sí. te la vas a hacer, ¿por qué la cultura de lucha es tan grande en El Paso y Juárez? Bueno, mira, en, en más o menos en 1923-24, en aquella época se hacían luchas aquí en El Paso, en el Liberty Hall. El Liberty Hall ya no existe, lo, lo hicieron Demolish en 1996, pero cuenta la historia y también en el libro del Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre, que el señor Salvador Luterot, que es el padre de la lucha libre en México, vino a Ciudad Juárez. Él trabajaba para la Hacienda, para la IRS. Lo traen al Paso, Texas, a presenciar un evento de lucha libre. Entonces, de aquí se lleva la idea a México. De aquí le nace para llevársela a México y empieza a hacer luchas en las carpas, en los circos. Y posteriormente empiezan a enseñar a jóvenes mexicanos la lucha la libre, libre, porque ah. todos los luchadores eran extranjeros, no eran mexicanos. Entonces, de ahí nace la lucha libre, después construye la, la antigua Arena México, la Coliseo, y lo que conocemos hoy como la Catedral de la Lucha Libre es la Arena México. Entonces, este y aquí vienen las raíces de la lucha libre mexicana. Y también nosotros tuvimos un gran boom aquí, en los ochentas y noventas, con grandes estrellas como Rockistar, como Cinta de Oro, Sergio Aguirre Martínez, como muchos de esos luchadores que venían de fuera y se quedaban, como Flama Roja, el señor Arturo García, que él es de la Escuela del Diablo Velasco, como el Samurai, como Anfibius. ¿Sabes quién es Anfibius? Ese no lo había escuchado, la verdad. El Crazy 32. Oh, ok. Así luchaba él en México, como Anfibius. Entonces, todos son de, de esa escuela del de, de, de Diablo Velasco, pero se vinieron a quedar en aquella época, aquí en los ochentas, en Ciudad Juárez, y enseñar a, a jóvenes y trabajar con jóvenes de aquella época aquí. Y hoy en día, pues, ven tantos también como, obviamente... La familia legendaria como son los cobardes. Fishman es de Torreón, pero se hizo en Ciudad Juárez. ¡Wow! ¡Qué el bonita historia! El, el Marqués, el señor que en paz descanse también el Marqués. O sea, hay muchísima, muchísima historia de grandes luchadores aquí en esta frontera. Pero a veces, como decimos siempre, no hay nada que hacer en la frontera. Pues, ¿cómo es? O sea, hay muchísimas cosas que hacer. Déjate muchísimas no, o sea, historias. Y muchísimas historias que conocer. Exacto, te digo, mientras estoy haciendo este proyecto de conocer, es cuando uh -huh. me doy cuenta de que hay mucha gente. Uno pensaría que no, sí. pero no, sí hay mucha gente a, a, siguiendo su pasión, su sí. arte. Y la verdad es que sí. Artistas, pintores, gustos. músicos, de lo que te puedas imaginar, el paso ha tenido grandes talentos, productores. Hay un productor, no sé cómo se llama, pero era productor de Tupac. ¿En serio? <ríe> sí, de aquí del Paso, del oh, Paso y Juárez. Esa no me Entonces, la sabía. te digo, hay muchísima historia aquí en, en esta frontera y, y cerca de la frontera, en el, el, la persona que pintó el mural que está ahorita en la Arena México, uh -huh. se, llame, se llama Miguel Valverde. Él es de Cuauhtémoc, Chihuahua, pero vive en Chihuahua, Chihuahua, y es amigo, es amigo mío que le mando un gran saludo. Él fue el que pintó el mural de la Arena México. Wow, te digo, wow. Sí. Señor, me va a tener que contar contigo para que me digas, se ve que te apasiona todo esos sí, temas. Sí. Digo, yo solo me acuerdo cuando tenía 6, 7 años, mis papás también nos llevaban a, a, al Neri Santos, ahí es donde aprendí lo que era el agua del riñón por primera vez. Este, sí, pero desde ahí sí, la, la, se hace, bueno, te digo, yo recuerdo, sí, sí. pero como dices tú, ya en los 80s, los 70s todavía, sí. todavía era la época de oro. 
en comparación, ¿cómo estamos ahorita Juárez, el paso? ¿Crees que ahí vamos? ¿Seguimos? ¿Qué crees que... Pues de talento estamos? hay muchísimo talento, eso es inevitable aquí, el, el luchador este, de esta frontera tiene muchísimo talento son jóvenes que, que les apasiona lo que, lo que es la lucha libre pero pues falta ese empujoncito ¿no? A, a, a darle, vámonos vuélale, no te quedes aquí, no te quedes estancado, busca la manera de sobresalir, de ir, de buscar otros rumbos, otras ondas y a veces es difícil porque cuando ya tienes una familia, tienes hijos, no es tan fácil, ya me voy bye bye, hasta luego, voy a, a intentar a ver si lo hago, no, lo entiendo perfectamente lo positivo de todo esto es que hoy con redes sociales con Twitter, con te Facebook, puedes te puedes dar fácil. a conocer mucho más fácil que, que antes y hoy en día lo que estamos tratando de hacer nosotros es hacer pagos por eventos que no nomás se vean en Estados Unidos y en todas partes del mundo. Wow. Entonces, de eso se trata esto. Exacto. Y es lo que te iba a preguntar. Creo que ya se hablaste de, de la compañía American Entertainment Management Group. Sí. Que la idea de esto es sacar esos talentos y no nada más sacarlos, pero también darles tú la influencia, lo que tú ya aprendiste, lo que sabes Exacto. y lo que se requiere para desarrollarlos. ¿verdad? Sí, ayudar. Ayudar en lo que yo pueda. Darles un poco de mi conocimiento de lo afortunado que he sido y dejarlos volar. Si es con nosotros, si es con alguien más, pues bienvenido, ¿no? Al final del día se trata de eso, de apoyar, de, de darles esa oportunidad y nosotros no somos dueños de nadie. Nosotros lo que queremos es ayudar, enfocarnos y crear. Eso es lo importante, crear esas oportunidades que, que se merecen. Y, pero obviamente también nos gustaría crear pues, una liga importante, ¿no? No Exacto. nomás queremos hacer shows de vez en cuando, queremos que esto sea duradero, que tengamos trabajo para darles trabajo a los demás también. Y como hablaste, la gente no sabe que no nomás son la, los luchadores que están ahí, el que depende muchísimas personas sí. sobre eso y que tú estés pensando también en generar empleos, en afectar a otra gente, pues olvídate. Sí, sí, y te digo, nosotros queremos hacer las cosas con excelencia, esa es la palabra que a veces este, la gente no le gusta usar, pero es importante enfocarte en eso, hacer las cosas con excelencia, porque la idea de mucha gente es renta un gimnasio, pongo un ring, luchadores, y ahí está una función. Ok, pero no queremos caer en eso, nosotros queremos hacer algo más bonito para la gente, algo con excelencia para todos ellos, producción, que mis compañeros se sientan importantes como lo son, porque ellos son la materia prima de nuestro espectáculo. Exacto. Entonces eso se trata esto, es lo que está haciendo American Entertainment, no, no es compitiendo con nadie más, cada quien tiene su visión, los promotores de aquí tienen su visión, que se les respeta, tristemente la lucha libre está muy quemada en esta frontera por mucha, mucha gente, me tocó este, ir a preguntar en varios lugares para que queríamos rentar para hacer una función y, a, y arreglar con producción. Y me dijo un señor, ¿sabe qué? No, yo no quiero nada que ver con la lucha libre. Porque ya se habían quemado con alguien Ajá, más. Y entonces, bueno, alguien yo, más yo, yo me quedé así como que, wow, qué triste, ¿no? Entonces le dije, ¿sabe qué? Discúlpeme. Le digo, en nombre de mis compañeros de la lucha libre, le pido una disculpa. No, no se preocupe, joven. Le digo, le digo pero yo no, nosotros no somos igual. Así fue lo que yo le comenté, pero sí, sí queremos hacer las cosas de una manera diferente. Y va a tomar tiempo. Eso lo sabemos, pero de que se puede, se puede. Wow. Y, y la gente que te conoce, que sabe tu pasión y sabe tu intención, sí. es por eso mismo que digo, te ha ido muy bien en todo lo sí. que has hecho, porque sabes tú sí, pues, todo lo que es. Como te digo, o sea, se, tenemos, tenemos que ser pacientes, pero al final del día tenemos un propósito y ese propósito lo estamos cumpliendo. Llevamos una función que fue el 28 de noviembre del 2020, y gracias a Dios nos fue bien, fue nuestra casa de presentación, toda la gente quedó contenta. Hay cosas que hay que mejorar, sí, muchas 
pero vamos por buen camino, que eso es lo importante. Exacto, y fíjate que esa yo y un amigo nos la aventamos, eh. ya yo, la hora la agarramos mal eh. y ya nos tocó ya nada más la última, pero eh. el talento es, es obvio sí. y regresar. Obviamente es muy diferente pelear sin, sin gente. Sí, 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 se, se oye así como en la arena muy vacía y toda la onda, estamos acostumbrados al ruido y que gritan y esto, pero nos adaptamos, los seres sí. humanos somos, somos este, buenos para adaptarnos a todo y pues al final del día... Es lo que nos toca vivir y hay que seguir adelante y esperemos en Dios que más adelante ya podamos tener ahora no. sí gente en, en las gradas. Perfecto, y si no, invita a mi hija y a mí, vamos a estar ahí gritándoles a todos, pues, si, si no es mucha, uh, pues si no es mucha molestia, pero vamos a hablar ya nada más sobre el próximo evento que ya tienes, el próximamente, platícanos. Sí, el 30 de enero okay. va a ser en pago por eventos, te metes, te metes a amgppv.com y ahí puedes comprar el pago por evento, 24.99, está barato. Estás en tu casa, puedes disfrutar ahí. Nos encantaría tener gente. Uh -huh. Pero ahorita con lo que está sucediendo sabemos que tenemos que guardar las normas, lo que está pasando. Si hay algún cambio, obviamente les, les vamos a dejar saber. En esta ocasión es un, es un, este, un programa pues lleno de, de figuras locales y también de afuera. En la lucha estrella vienen nuevamente los puertorriqueños, los Colón, Primo y Épico y Chris Masters. Chris Masters fue... Es un chavo que mide como 6'3", 250 libras de puro músculo y viene a ser pareja con ellos, ¿no? En tríos en contra de tu servidor y la ascensión. ¿Quién es? Hoy conocido como The Awakening, Big One y Big, los oh, okay. que eran The Ascension en WWE. Entonces ellos vienen a, a apoyarme a mí. Está también Aéreo y Magno en contra de, del hijo del impostor y el dragón, que son grandes talentos. Magno estuvo también en NXT y sabemos que ahorita este Dragón y el hijo del impostor acaban de firmar con una empresa en México también, sí. un contrato. No sé cómo funciona ese contrato, pero me dijeron, nosotros estamos también puestos para trabajar contigo, entonces se los agradezco y la verdad que nosotros estamos aquí para darles también esa plataforma, ¿no? Para que sobresalgan, son jóvenes que conozco desde estaban chiquititos, hoy en día ya andan luchando, entonces son grandes exponentes de, de la lucha libre. Está también... Este aviático que se va a enfrentar al legendario Junior, que el legendario viene de la familia de los cobardes. Entonces ya es el nieto de, del cobarde de, de Kiko. No me la sabía, ¿en serio? <ríe> wow. Sí, sí, pero las mujeres luchadoras. Por primera vez, Shaw Guerrero, la hija de Eddie Guerrero, se presenta en El Paso, Texas. Por para primera esta vez función. para esta función. Ah. Ella es la ciudad aquí, pero nunca ha tenido la oportunidad de luchar aquí en El Paso. Entonces, va a hacer su debut en El Paso, Texas, en contra de Amazona, que es una jovencita también que trae muchas ganas de sobresalir. Entonces, estamos tratando de, de darles variedad a la gente para que la gente vea. Está también Dark Fusion en contra de Skybird. Son dos grandes luchadores que ya tienen bastante tiempo, pero que son grandes exponentes. Entonces, yo les quiero la oportunidad, a lo mejor algo diferente. Siempre están acostumbrados a luchar dos en contra de dos. En esta ocasión vienen mano a mano. Y también una lucha... Esta está bien interesante. A ver. Esta es este la bestia segundo en contra del monaguillo segundo. Ok. Padre en contra de hijo. Entonces... El monaguillo hizo su debut el 28 de noviembre con nosotros. En esta ocasión, pues hizo su debut y le ganó a su papá. Entonces, en esta ocasión va mano a mano. Vamos a ver qué pasa si el papá tiene piedad de su hijo o si el hijo <risa> tiene piedad del padre. La verdad está muy interesante la dinámica que, que estamos tú, por ahí todo con el ellos. talento que hay, muy Entonces, accesible, como sí. dices, en la, como en la casa. La calidad del video, por cierto, muy bueno. Gracias. Estuvo todo sí. bien, bien hecho. Te digo, hubiera estado mejor con gente. Claro sí, que claro. Es, hay que adaptarnos, Ajá. pero a la misma vez te digo, no solamente estás viendo lucha, pero estás apoyando a la gente. Estás viendo, sí, te sí, digo, sí. los talentos de, de, pues sí, que están viniendo y aparte, pues, a figuras tan sí, grandes. Sí, y ustedes. a veces la gente decimos, no, pues, no trae nada aquí en el paso. Hoy es tiempo de apoyar. Si, si la gente y las empresas están, pues, invirtiendo, ahora es el tiempo 
tiempo del público de apoyarnos, de decir, ok, para que se pueda hacer cosas mejores en el paso, aquí está mi apoyo. Exacto. Entonces, ¿quieren eso? Pues apóyenos, para eso estamos aquí. AMGPPV.com, ahí pueden comprar el pago por evento, $24.99, está baratísimo para que lo disfrute. La verdad que estamos muy emocionados y felices de la vida de poner esto para todos ustedes. No, señor, gracias. Y ojalá se pueda con gente, pero si no, de todos modos te digo, por el talento que hay, lo que sí. va a hacer, la verdad, pues es, es algo que no hay sí, que ni viene. pensarlo. Última pregunta, señor, que le hago a todos mis invitados. En el paso, ¿qué es algo que te gusta? No se puede decir la comida, por favor. Uh -huh. a, y una, la primera parte de la pregunta es, ¿algo que te gusta mucho del paso? Algo que tú, por ejemplo, cuando viajas, extrañabas de la frontera. Y algo que a lo mejor cambiarías o que te gustaría ver. Bueno, algo que me gusta es, es la gente. Es la gente. La, en el paso, si, si tú vas a algún lugar, la gente es muy, este, muy amable. Uh -huh. La mayoría. Te saludan y, y pásele y son como muy... Acojadoras, muy buena gente. Exactamente, sí. es muy buena gente. Ah, y entonces, algo que cambiaría de aquí es a lo mejor sería la manera en que, en que pensamos del paso la gente. Uh, ok. O sea, la gente piensa de una manera negativa que aquí no hay trabajos, que aquí no puedes mejorar, que aquí no puedes sobresalir y no es cierto. Aunque hay muchísimas cosas que puedes lograr. Pero nosotros tenemos que hacer el caminito la piedrita para que todo eso... Empieza con nosotros pensar esa, diferente. Sí, exactamente, empieza ah. desde ahí, desde la mentalidad. Y eso, eso es bien importante porque toda la gente dice, ah, bueno, quiero dar bautazo, me quiero ir. Luego se van, lo regresa el día, pues, ¿qué haces? Pues, no, que te ibas a ir? ¿Qué andas ¿Sí? allí? No, Entonces... no, tienes mucha razón y como dices tú, <risa> sí. ah, no hay nada que hacer, no hay... Espérame, sí. espérame, la verdad es que sí, le tienes que buscar. Sí. Y aparte, te digo, hay mucha gente sí. joven que ah. está queriendo hacer las cosas, las está haciendo bien, ahí tenemos de sí, todo, sí, la verdad. Sí, sí. Si hay fútbol, vaya a apoyar el fútbol, los uh -huh. locomores. Si hay béisbol en los chihuahuas, vayan a los chihuahuas. O sea, se quejan, pero no apoyan. Entonces, ¿cómo está la onda, pues? Fíjate, ¿Se trata de eso? Punto, sí. No, pues está bien. Señor, he disfrutado mucho bueno. la plática. Muchísimas gracias no, por no, tu tiempo. Te digo que me es la confianza de platicar poquito. Yo sé que... Te, te, no, hombre, yo nos podíamos quedar aquí horas de, de, de tantas historias que tú tienes. Espero que la gente lo haya disfrutado. Pero nuevamente te quiero dar las gracias por tu tiempo, señor. No, no, a ti gracias y a toda la gente. De verdad, muchísimas gracias por tener el interés en, en mi carrera, ¿no? Y en, en lo que estamos haciendo y de verdad les mando muchas bendiciones. Hay que seguirnos cuidando, señores, seguirnos cuidando para que esto pase pronto y podamos volver a, a la normalidad. Un saludo a todos y muchas bendiciones. Exacto. Hasta luego. That's all I got. Adiós.